0: welcome to the teaching ministry of the cause church we pray you will be encouraged challenged and blessed as you listen to the word of god last week we started a a new series that we're calling keys of the kingdom it's based on what jesus said in matthew chapter 16 verse 19 and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Last week we talked about how the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, those are synonymous terms. They mean exactly the same thing. It's a it is a realm, a reign and a rule, and Jesus is the king. He's the king of the kingdom. And he has given us his followers, the church, his disciples. He's given you and I the keys to the kingdom. Keys represent access, access to the invisible realm. They represent partnership with God. And they also represent authority to exercise God's love and life, his power, and his presence in this world. And so I encourage us to take the kingdom by force, to to take it by force using the keys that Jesus has given to us. And we briefly touched on one key last week, the key of prayer and fasting, today we're going to learn about two more keys, two more keys we'll focus on. Let me pray real quick. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. We choose to open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears to what you would speak to us today. Give us revelation through the power of your word, the presence of your Holy Spirit. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in our lives and in our church as it is in heaven, for your glory. In Jesus' name, say amen. 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 One of the final chapters in the Bible is Revelation chapter 19. And it gives a picture of the end times. It gives a picture of Jesus' final and last defeat of Satan and all demonic forces. And it says this, referring to Jesus, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Say blood. Blood. Come on, 1130, say blood. Blood. And his name, say name. name. And his name is called the Word of God. The blood that Jesus' robe is dipped in, it is his own blood. It's his own blood. It's a reference to his atoning work, the Blood that he shed on the cross. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And the word of God is one of Jesus' many titles, one of his many names. By the way, the written word that you hold is the Bible, the written word of God. But Jesus is the living word of God. And so the two keys that I want to teach on today are the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. The name and the blood, and and I think that of all the keys that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks before this series is done, I think that these are probably the two most misunderstood. I think that you know we don't, some of us don't really know a whole lot about them. My son Cohen's 11 years old, and he's playing soccer for the first time. I kind of kind of forced him to do it. He didn't really want. It. I just wanted him to play a false, a false sport. I know nothing about soccer. Uh, I played baseball growing up. And so Cohen is having his first soccer game. Is it a game or a match, by the way? Is it a soccer match or a game? I don't even know. Anyways, soccer game, whatever. I'm driving him yesterday morning. I'm trying to give him a little pep talk, you know, like I would do before a baseball game. And I said, said, Cohen, I said, just go out there today. Have fun. Play your hardest. Be aggressive. And then I was trying to think of something else to say. I said, just kick the ball. (laughs) And I started, literally like that, I just started to laugh and he's and Cohen looks at me, and then he starts laughing. He says, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? I say, no, son, I don't. I have no idea. I think some of us are like that with the name of Jesus. It's kind of like, the only time that we use the name of Jesus is you know when we're praying for our meal at Taco Bell or something, and by the way, if you're eating at Taco Bell, you ought to pray for your food. <laughs> I know, believe me, you ought to pray in faith. You just kind of throw the name of Jesus at the end, and. You know, it's a little bit like a, a magician who's like learning magic and they don't really know how to do a trick properly, but they just throw an abracadabra at the end and they hope it works out all right. Some of us with the blood of Jesus, thought that thought never even crosses our mind except for maybe the first Sunday of the month that we show up to church and, and we take communion together. Well, I wanna help you today because like any key of the kingdom, we must use it in faith. In faith, say faith. Faith is an inward confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God and all that he says. Faith is believing that God can and will do what he says he will do. Faith is what moves God to action. Faith is what moves the heart and hand of God. I want you to take out your keys. I had you do this last week, but take out your physical keys again and just jingle them, just shake them so I can hear them. Some of you ladies, I noticed you're getting your keys out of your purse faster. Good job. Took my advice. You now have a key pocket in your purse. All right. Get your, get your house key. I want you to get your house key. Listen, when you walk up to your house, pull out your house key, you don't walk up to your house and get ready to put the key in and, and think, oh, man, I really hope, I hope the key works this time. Let me cross my fingers. Oh, I hope it works. You know, I'm not really sure about it. No, there's, a, there's an inward confidence. There is, a, there is a, an innate trust. There is a faith that when you put the key in, your house is gonna open. You're gonna have access to your house. Friends, faith is exactly the same way. We, we take the keys and apply faith to it, and God moves into action. All seven of the keys of the kingdom must be exercised and used in faith. I don't think this is on the screen, but this is in my notes. When we have a revelation, a revelation. A revelation, by the way, is not information. A revelation is when the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God's word and he plants it in your heart and it begins to grow. Sometimes it feels like there's an explosion that's happening, sometimes it feels like there's a fire that the Holy Spirit plants a truth and something begins to happen, something begins to change inside of you. When we have a revelation of the power of the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we can use these keys in faith to access heaven's resources, partner with God, and move in the authority that he has given to us as his children. Somebody ought to say amen, that's good. So let's talk about the name of Jesus. Key number two, the name of Jesus. Names carry important meanings, don't they? If you read the Bible, they, they always, every name in the Bible means something. And oftentimes when we name kids, we want their names to mean something, to have some sort of significance to it. Jenny and I, uh, if you missed it last week, Jenny and I announced that she's pregnant, about three months pregnant. And um, hey, Jenny and I are doing our job to grow the church. What about you? Come on. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the cause, all right? Uh, So we've been starting to talk about baby names. And so Jenny asked Cohen the other day. I said Cohen's 11. Said, Cohen, what do you think we should name the baby? Without hesitation, Cohen said, Jimmy. (laughs) He took all everybody Jimmy. And and Jenny was kind of, I was just listening. Jenny was kind of irritated. I was trying not to laugh. She says, We're not, we're not naming the baby Jimmy. Cohen paused for a minute and then he said, What about James? (laughs) Which I thought was brilliant. The name of Jesus, listen, the name of Jesus contains your salvation, your healing, and your freedom. The name of Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua. We get the the name Joshua from that. It means it literally means help, salvation, savior, or redeemer. Matthew 121, the angel says, "And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Acts chapters 3 and 4 I think illustrate the power of the name of Jesus better than any other passage in scripture that I can think of. Acts chapter 3 and 4, the early disciples had just, Jesus had been crucified, he had been resurrected, he appeared to his disciples for a period of about 50 days, taught them many things about the kingdom of God, and then he had ascended to heaven, and then he baptized them, filled them with the Holy Spirit, 120 of them, caused an uproar in the city, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised his Savior Jesus Christ from the dead, now died living in him, empowering him with boldness, stood up to preach to a massive crowd in Jerusalem. Peter preaches, the Bible says that they were cut to the heart when they heard the truth. And they said, what should we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people were were saved on the first day of the church. Some people think, I don't like big churches. Well, the early church had 3,000 on the first day, friends. So that's biblical. And then the kingdom of God began to explode at an unstoppable rate all throughout the world. And we get to Acts chapter three in Peter and John. In fact, Revelation was written by John. I'll reference him again later. Peter and John walking into the temple, the Bible says, at the hour of prayer, says there was a man that was sitting at the gate, at the gate called Beautiful, and he was begging. And it said he had been lame from birth. And I love what it says. It says, Peter said, look at me. And the man looked up. And it said in verse six, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. In other words, I ain't got no money. (laughs) But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Wow, the entire city at at this amazing miracle is thrown into an uproar. Another crowd gathers, and Peter preaches to them as well. And he says, and by faith in his name, in Jesus' name, his name itself has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Wow. Friends, that's, that's why when we pray for healing, we pray in the name of Jesus. We declare and speak healing. Last night our family was praying together and we'd finished praying And Cohen said, we need to pray for Lorraine. Lorraine is Pastor Chris's wife. We said, why do we need to pray for Lorraine? And Cohen says, because she has crotches. And Navei said, do you mean crutches? (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, he crutches. So hey, I don't know if you, crotches, crutches, I don't know, we'll pray for you, whatever the case is. The name of Jesus represents, listen, his delegated power and authority to us. The name of Jesus represents his delegated power and authority to us. The early church, the early Christians did exactly what Jesus did, and they did it in his name. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Friends, you and I are called to do these same things in his name. This is, this is exactly the same thing that we would call power of attorney. It's exactly the same thing. Power of, power of attorney is the legal right for another person in your name to act on your behalf without you being physically present. To give somebody else and grant them power to act in place of for and on behalf of the one granting the power. A couple years ago, Jenny and I went on a vacation to Mexico to celebrate our anniversary without our kids. Come on, parents, you know, a vacation without your kids, that's a real vacation, right? So we went without our kids, we had a great time, but before we left, we left our kids with my parents. We wrote a letter giving power of attorney to my parents so that while we were gone, while we were not physically present, they had legal right, they had legal authority, they had legal power to make decisions and act on our behalf. Friends, Jesus has done the exact same thing. He has given you the keys of the kingdom. You have power of attorney in his name to act on his behalf, to work on his behalf, to make decisions on his behalf. That's good. That's why the devil and all the powers of hell tremble at his name. Because his name represents his fullness. His name represents his power and his authority and all the resources of heaven are contained in his name. Have you noticed that people who don't even know the Lord at all, don't go to church aren't quote unquote religious, don't have any relationship with God. Most people, not all, but most people, if you talk about God, most people you can kind of talk about and they'll kind of engage a little bit or they'll listen. And they might say something like, oh yeah, I believe in God. Oh, you go to church? That's nice, I believe in God. They'll say something like that. Some people won't, but most people will. But if you start to use the name Jesus, some people get nervous. I don't wanna wanna talk about that. They get nervous, their body language changes. They get a little uncomfortable some people will even get angry some people you can see in their face their face will change <laughs> why why do you think friends when you mention the name of Jesus it's because that is the only name that confronts darkness that is the only name that begins to push back sin there's no other name like that why do you think that the that the devil has tried to take the name Jesus Christ and devalue it and strip it of its power. In every language around the world, Jesus Christ is a curse word. I don't know a lot of Spanish, but I know when somebody ain't saying something nice in Spanish. Why do you think? When people stub their toe, they don't say, oh, Buddha! Or when you're driving on the freeway or somebody's driving on the freeway and they get cut off, they don't say, bleep and bleep, Muhammad! Or you hit a bad golf shot, you don't say, Hari Krishna. Yeah. What do people say? They they use the name of Jesus as a curse word. Because the enemies try to, because those are those are false gods. Those are those are dead prophets. Those names have those names have no power and authority. So the devils try to make the, the name of Jesus a curse word because that name, when you speak it in faith, it has all of heaven back in it, friends. Go back to Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. So these the religious leaders hear the commotion. Same religious leaders that had arrested Jesus, put him on trial. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, And when they had set them, referring to Peter and John in their midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter says, Let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Listen, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. That'd be a good song. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The religious leaders, they don't even know what to do with these guys. So they send them away. They deliberate together. And it says this in verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. And it says with many other threats they threatened them. Peter and John walk out of there. They get their buddies together. They start to pray. Listen to this, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Friends, The name of Jesus takes his place. The name of Jesus represents him. The name of Jesus includes his power and authority. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, it is the same as if he were praying, as if he were asking the Father. Which leads me to this thought. The name of Jesus is to be prayed in faith. It's to be prayed in faith. John chapters 14, 15, 16, Jesus says a lot of really important things, but he says multiple times, he says, ask and pray in my name. He says it at least four, five, six times. And whatever you ask, John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus isn't saying, by the way, that God is is a genie and just whatever we pray for, whatever we ask, just throw his, his name at the end of it and God's gonna do whatever we want. He's not saying, you know, if you pray, if you say his name in like a southern accent, you say it real strong, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> that he's gonna hear you anymore. No, to pray in the name of Jesus means that you are under his ownership and his rule and his authority. It means that you are in in submission to Jesus, to the King. That you're in alignment with his will and not your own. That you're praying for God's glory and not your own. That's why Jesus says, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray in faith in the name of Jesus, God moves. In fact, unless we pray in faith using Jesus' name nothing will be accomplished to further the kingdom of God in this world. I'm gonna say that one more time. Unless we pray in faith, using Jesus's name, nothing will be accomplished to further the kingdom of God in this world. I've told this story before, but about 20 years ago, I was living by myself in my great grandmother's house. Actually, Mark, my my, uh, friend Mark lived with me there for a season, but I was by myself when this happened. Woke up in the middle of the night, I was laying on my back, I normally don't sleep on my back, but I woke up and I, I felt this, this presence on top of me. And I knew, I knew immediately it was, it was demonic. It, I, I could feel something physically. It felt like when you go to the dentist, they put that lead thing on, on you and they're gonna take x-rays. It's like that pressure pushing down on you when, you, you. when you're in a plane, you feel that g-force when you're taking off. I felt like pushing down into my bed. My first reaction was fear because I'd never felt that before and I tried to speak, and as I tried to say something, I could feel something choking me, like restricting on my throat. I just waited a second, and then I just got out a whisper, just said, Jesus, and I could feel it lift a little bit, not completely, just lift off a little bit. And then I said a second time, and my voice came back with strength, Jesus, and that thing lifted off of me, left immediately. Why, friends? Because that name spoken in faith, there is no other name on earth or under the earth or in heaven like the name of Jesus. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And that name has the power and the authority of heaven behind it. Key number three is the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Throughout the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible speaks about blood. You see it. Read scripture. You'll see it all throughout scripture. From the beginning to the very end. We just read Revelation 19. Talks about blood. Why? Leviticus 17, says life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And just as light is the only thing that can conquer or overthrow darkness, so life is the only thing that can conquer or overthrow death. And so the blood of Jesus carries God's life and defeats every form of death. The blood of Jesus carries God's life and defeats every form of death. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, if you know the Lord, you and I have received a spiritual blood transfusion. We have exchanged eternal death for eternal life. Because sin takes life, life is required to repay sin's debt. And so Jesus gave his life, his blood on the cross, to pay your debt and my debt. And friends, death in all of its forms was defeated through his blood. The blood of Jesus conquers worry. The blood of Jesus defeats anxiety. The blood of Jesus overcomes fear. The blood of Jesus overcomes depression. The blood of Jesus defeats strife and bitterness and resentment. The blood of Jesus overcomes every sickness and disease and illness. The blood of Jesus is greater than cancer. All mental illness and pain. All emotional pain and sickness, all physical pain and sickness can be healed by the blood of Jesus. It's all in his blood. Isaiah chapter 53 prophesies about Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, come on church, we are healed. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. Number two, the blood of Jesus. This is, these are a lot of words, but each of them means something. The blood of Jesus is the provision for ransom from sin, redemption from slavery to sin, Reconciliation to God and restoration to rulership under him. That's a whole message by itself, all four of those points. Just leave that up for a minute. Blood of Jesus accomplishes all of those things. I love what, what Peter writes in one of his letters. We just talked about Peter a minute ago. First Peter chapter one, verses eighteen and nineteen. He says, For you know that God paid a ransom. To save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver. (laughs) Silver and gold, I don't have any of that. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Wow, it's so powerful. Friends, there is power in the blood. As the old song says, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the lamb. The organ player's coming out, I guess I need to close. Number three is this, the blood of Jesus conquered Satan and overcomes hellish attacks. Oh man, grasp onto this, pray in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus, conquered Satan and overcomes hellish attacks. Revelation chapter 12. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, which is a direct reference to Satan, who accused them, much you and I, before our God day and night has been cast down And they, that's referring to us, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Friends, Satan was defeated at the cross. I love Colossians one, I just preached on that a few weeks ago. It says that the cross humiliated, stripped the powers of hell of all of their authority. They were humiliated. What what Satan thought was his ultimate victory was his ultimate defeat. Do you realize that? God flipped it on his head. And as hell was laughing and celebrating, they had no idea what was coming. Jesus went down, took the keys of hell and death, said, no more, you're done. So he conquered Satan at the cross, he defeated him. But listen, until he comes again, When he comes again, whenever that is, that's it. It's done. Satan will be cast into hell, the lake of fire, for all of eternity, once and for all. But until that happens, you and I have to do battle. There's conflict, there's resistance. That's what we're talking about. So we, we do battle, and one of our primary keys, one of our primary weapons is the blood of Jesus, the confession of our faith. By the way, that last part, loving loving God more than our own lives, being willing to even physically die and give up our life if that's needed. Brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, all around the world, that's happening to them right now. They'll be rewarded in heaven for that. But friends, hell cannot withstand confrontation with the blood of Christ. I'm gonna say that again. Hell cannot withstand confrontation with the blood of Christ. In other words, you to declare the blood of Jesus in faith and hell has to retreat. It has no other option. The devil, uh, my friend Marilyn's sitting on the front row. I love Marilyn, incredible woman of God. I say Marilyn, we need to pray for this. One of the first things she often says, the devil is a liar. She's from Ghana, Africa. She's got this amazing accent. The devil is a liar. We will pray, we will fight. <laughs> I love it. So, man, I could feel faith rising in me. Friends, he is a liar. He is a liar, everything he says is a lie. He is an accuser. So that's, that's why it says he accuses day and night before God. He accuses you, he lies to you, he whispers in your voice and some of you are believing his lies. Guilt, shame, condemnation, trying to keep that on you, trying to keep you bound and shackled in that stuff. He says all kinds of stuff, some of us believe it. You're no good, God doesn't love you. This week, man, it's a constant fight. I, I hear that voice still, lying in my ear, trying to discourage, trying to discourage us, trying to dissuade us, trying to get us off course, lead us into depression, lead us into bondage, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Friends, he is an accuser. That's what he does. And friends, when you begin to feel that, when you begin to hear that accusing, demonic voice, you use the blood of Jesus. I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, some of you won't understand this, but most of you will. If your life had an Instagram filter on it, it wouldn't be Normal or Credwid or Ludwig or Krema or whatever the heck those are. It would be blood. It would be blood. It would be the blood of Jesus because when God looks at you, when he looks at your life, he sees you through the blood of his son. He sees you. He sees you as having been brought near, being in right relationship. He sees you as righteous and holy. He sees you as a king and a priest. Come on, somebody. He sees you with power and authority. He sees you, as Ephesians 1 says, seated in the heavenly realms, blessed with every spiritual blessing. you got to see yourself that way. In line with the Word of God. As the old preacher says, when the devil tries to remount remind you about your past, you remind him about his future. And, and, ha- and that's, to use, listen, to use the blood of Jesus, friends, it, it, is, it is as practical as this, is you speak with your voice and you declare out loud, devil, you have no power. You have no authority. You have no right to me, to my body, to my mind, to my emotion. Get the hell out. I don't mean that as a curse word. I mean that literally. Get the hell out. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my family. Get out of my kids. Get out of my grandkids. Because you were defeated at the cross. And by the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I stand in authority and I receive all that God has for me. Friends, that's what it means. You have to declare, you have to pray. There is no territory the enemy can have any longer in your realm because it has been bought with the blood. It has been purchased with the blood. So some of you need to serve the devil an eviction notice and say, get out, get out. And you use the name of Jesus, the power of his blood, the power of his blood, hold these communion elements feel God's presence close your eyes for a minute you can just hold on to those elements but just close your eyes friends just before we receive communion together if you're here today maybe you're watching online and you are not in relationship with God I'm not asking do you believe in God Bible says the demons believe in God and they tremble But are you in relationship with God? And the only way to be in relationship with him is through his son, Jesus is the way. He's the truth, he's the life. Because God loved you and me so much, he sent Jesus to come live a sinless, perfect, holy life, to show us how to love God, love people, died on the cross, shed his blood to bring us into relationship with God. All the things I talked about today rose from the dead, all of hell and death is defeated. He came, friends, to give you abundant and eternal life. And that starts with a relationship with God. God loves you, has a plan and purpose for you. But you have to make a choice that you're gonna surrender to him. Your wife can't do it, your husband can't do it. Nobody can do that for you. You have to make a choice to receive salvation. It's a gift, you have to receive it, you can't earn it. Maybe you never made that decision. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've walked away from the Lord. And you find yourself here today or watching online. You want to come back to the Lord. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to change your direction. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. Make that choice right now. It's the most important decision you could ever make. I want to give you that opportunity right now. The way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna to count to three in a minute, ask you to raise your hand, look at me, and then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of salvation. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, I'm not gonna call you to the front, I won't make you say anything, but I want you to respond. On the count of three, if that's you, say, John, I wanna be in relationship with God. On the count of three, I've never made that decision before, I need to come back to God. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand, hold it high, lift your hand, I see you, I see you, and a little guy right there too. See you, sir, right there. I see you, ma'am. See, are you raising your hand? Yeah, that's awesome, man. I see you in the back. So good. Anybody else here this morning? See you, ma'am. Anybody else here? So many people. Wow, I got you guys several people here this morning. If you're raising your hand, just look at me for a moment. Listen, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. That means that you are surrendering your life to him. Sir, is your hand up? It is, isn't it? You and your whole family today. Wow, that's awesome. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friends, it's a simple prayer, but everything changes in this moment. It's your first step in following Jesus. And so I wanna lead us all in a prayer of salvation, confession, especially those like five, six, seven people who raise their hand. Church, let's all pray this loud. Let's pray this strong in support of them this morning. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I I renounce every work of the devil. He has no claim on my life. God, make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I declare that heaven is my home and I will follow you all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that, amen? Come on, church, let's celebrate, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause, or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.